Hi there. Welcome to Divine Truth Sharing Podcast. This audio was originally recorded as a video, which you can watch on YouTube at Divine Truth Sharing. God bless. Hi there. Welcome to Divine Truth Sharing. I'm delighted you're here. In today's video, we're going to cover what the pageant messages have to say about miracles. Now, human beings have been fascinated with the concept of miracles since time immemorial, and there are hundreds, perhaps even thousands, of documented cases of medically unexplainable healings that we call miracles. There was a German mystic named Bruno Groning who lived from 1906 to 1959, and he went around the world facilitating healings, medical healings for people who were unhealable by medical science. And if you're interested in learning more about that, you can look up the Bruno Groening Circle of Friends, which is still in existence today, and they continue to go around the world and free of charge facilitate spontaneous healings. I attended one such healing, uh, I think it was back in 2009, and there were, was a live testimony there by four or five different individuals who had been so ill that you would think that there was really no hope for them, and they were there testifying in person. It was quite moving, and what they do is they have everyone in the audience tune in to what they call the Heilstrom, or healing stream, which is really just the energy of God's creation here on earth. The Catholic Church has also documented miracles for hundreds of years. So they definitely exist. And in fact, miracles are more common than we may realize. You might have even experienced one yourself or know someone who has. Most miracles are not documented. If you're familiar with the New Testament, you'll know that Jesus was credited with having performed many miracles. When he came through in the pageant messages, he let us know that many of those miracles actually did happen, but some did not, and that's what we're going to dive into now. Jesus did heal the sick, cure the blind and deaf, fix the withered hand, the palsied man, and even bring Lazarus back to life. But there's a caveat on that last one. Lazarus wasn't completely dead. He was only mostly dead. That means he was in a coma. We are told in the messages that once the silver cord that connects the soul to the mortal body is severed, that soul can never again re-enter that body. So any of the credits that were given to Jesus or others for bringing someone back to life really were just bringing them back from a death-like state, but they weren't completely dead. And the same thing is true for all near-death experiencers. Even though they may be medically appear to be dead based on the medical equipment and what that can measure in terms of the brain activity and the heart and so on, we know from the messages that the soul is still attached to the body by the silver cord. 
And once that's severed, even Jesus and God himself won't be bringing the soul back into the body. Jesus and his disciples who followed after him did dispossess bodies um, who had been possessed by evil spirits or dark entities, as I like to call them. Uh, so he was able to do that. He also did help his apostles find a great catch of fish one time when they had had their nets come up empty time and time again. In fact, I think they had fished either all day or all night and come up empty. I can't remember what it was. And they had brought their boats back in and Jesus said, turn around and go back out and drop your net here. And they were just astounded because they had just come from there. But Jesus knew that there was a school of fish that had just arrived. And that wasn't particularly a miracle, he says. He says that just from his psychic ability, he was aware that the fish had arrived. Now, some of the most beloved miracles in the Bible actually didn't happen. For example, Jesus never walked on water. He tells us that his fishermen friends had gone out ahead of him onto the water in their boats, and he followed later by himself in a smaller boat. And when he appeared and he was standing in the boat, they said it was as if he had been standing on water, but he was actually standing in a boat. Similarly, he did not calm the storm. He was with his disciples in a boat in a great storm, and they were frightened. What he was able to do was calm the storm in their souls and in their hearts and minds so that they could focus on him and the love of God and feel safe, and then it was as if the storm didn't exist. But he didn't actually calm the storm. Then, of course, there's the famed wedding at Cana, where Jesus is said to have turned water into wine. Well, not exactly. His mother did come to him and say they were running low, and he went to the next village and purchased some more wine and brought it back in jugs. So he did help out, but he didn't turn the water into wine. Similarly, with the loaves and the fishes, he said, first of all, there wasn't a crowd of thousands. It wasn't four or five thousand, as is reported in the Bible. It was a much smaller crowd. And he said they basically just had a picnic and they ate. Um, you know, there were not only fish, which the fishermen had actually caught and then cleaned and the women had cooked, but there were also dates and figs and other things. So basically, they, they did have a big picnic. But again, it wasn't this miracle of loaves and fishes that, that they talk about in, in the Bible. Um, another one that is mentioned is when Jesus cast out an evil spirit or multiple evil spirits, he, he put them into swine, you know, or a little herd of pigs, and then sent them running off a cliff to their deaths. I confess, when I first heard this story as a child, I knew it couldn't be true. It was mortifying. It was evil. Um, why would you do that to the poor little pigs? I mean, they didn't deserve that. Um, and sure enough, we're told in the pageant messages exactly that. No, Jesus wouldn't do that. He would never hurt anyone, including an animal. And he didn't have the power to put demons into animals. And if he did, he wouldn't have. <clears throat> and on top of that, not being very nice for the pigs, it also wouldn't have been nice for the farmers who owned them and were counting on them as livestock for their livelihoods. So that story is just not accurate. 
Um, but he was able to cast out spirits, which is, which is great, you know. It's a miracle. So this kind of maybe begs the question, why were more miracles attributed to Jesus than he actually performed? Well, as is true with multiple other stories in the New Testament, uh, those who wrote it down had some of their own agenda. They were interested in building up the concept of the Messiah and building the church and the foundation of the church and gaining membership. And some of it also had to do with power and control. They really liked having the idea of a Messiah who was magically untouchable, born of the Holy Spirit to a virgin mother. So the New Testament is laced with embellishments like that. But I think what's important for us to understand is that miracles can and do occur. And we are told in the messages that as we pray for God's love and allow ourselves to become transformed, which by the way, not only is a gradual process, but it really requires dedicated effort, discernment, and obedience. Those things are all required. But if you're interested in becoming a healer, you can because God wants these gifts to be given to all of his children and so they are available. So you can pray to receive his love that you may give it to others, whether it's in the form of love or healing or both or other miracles. But you also have to pray with discipline discern with discipline, and obey with discipline. So it's, you know, discipline is, is a, got the same root word as disciple, and it means someone who is learning from the master, right? So these things are not necessarily something that can quickly and easily come, although there are people who are born with certain gifts, such as psychic mediums. But again, a psychic medium would need to be developed into a divine love medium in order to bring in higher spirits. And that can be considered miraculous too, don't you think? I mean, after all, Einstein talked about only two ways to approach life. One is as if nothing were a miracle, and one is as if everything were a miracle. And we know that Einstein viewed God's creation as miraculous, and so do I. May you have the miracle of love and healing in your life. And thank you for watching, and I hope that you'll read the message excerpts at the end of this video. So with that, I'll see you next time. And remember, you are deeply, truly loved. God bless.